cross. As you continue to press on to me, so I delight in your desire. I delight in your praises. And as you continue that, I'm pour out my blessing upon you. Do not allow the darkness to dissuade you. Do not allow what's going on around you to intimidate you. Have I not said I am the Lord your God and I will fight for you? I will not fail you. I will not abandon you. I will fulfill my promises for you, said God. For I invite you to come and partake of the new wine that I'm giving unto you, said God. As you rise up before me, I receive you for I'm looking for a people who would dedicate themselves to me and to them. I will entrust my glory. I will entrust my power. And you will partake and taste of the powers of the age to come. And so darkness will flee. And the things of darkness will tremble before you. For where you go, you bring my life. You bring my power. You bring my presence, saith God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Under the table. But it must be placed on top of the highest place. That our lights might begin to shine. Uh, as we started the, the, the liturgical year with the season of Advent, we were reminded of the end even before we started. In, in, in a sense, the God who sees the end from the beginning was giving us perspective. He was showing us what's going to happen in the end. And we, if we remember that, then we will live our lives with an eternal perspective. We will not live our lives as if, you know, the most important things are our needs, our own ambitions, and our own drives. No. But at the end of time, Jesus will come, and he will be giving up his rewards. And we should make our values and our priorities and our choices uh, based this on eternal, on eternal things of God. And when the season of Christmas has come, it, it calls us... Uh, to receive and walk in the love of God that has been demonstrated when, the, when Jesus Christ was born on the earth. And now that we have entered the season of Epiphany, that which we have received from God, we are to manifest. And today we have heard the different readings. All of those things are good. But if I'm going to uh, talk about what I believe the Holy Spirit is trying to communicate to us, uh, at least for this day, it's this. Let us be counted among the wise in every generation. Let us be counted among the wise in every generation. Okay? The word of God says, the fear of the Lord is the what? The beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom is not something that you gain in college or something that you gain by experience, but wisdom comes when we begin to understand that God deserves all honor, all respect, he deserves the preeminent choice in our place in our lives. God is God, and we just don't ignore him or set him aside or just think about him on one particular day of the week, and then the other days, well, we're kind of thinking of him, but not, our lives are not uh, uh, affected by him. No, that's not the fear of the Lord. When we talk about the fear of the Lord, it's a deep reverence for, a deep respect for, okay? And so when we talk about the fear of the Lord, it says that is the beginning of wisdom. And we have here a story of uh, 
wise men. And the reason that they were wise was because they went out of their way in order to seek out the king of the Jews or our own king. And so in every generation, there will always be people who would be considered wise by heaven. Okay? Many people want to be seen as wise in the eyes of the world. We want to be seen as wise by the eyes of heaven. And for those of us who look to God, we want to be counted as among the wise in every generation. Every generation, there are people who say, I will put God first in my life. I will seek the Lord. He will be my end all. He will be my all. And according to the eyes of God, people who choose this are wise. We want to be wise. Well, in our gospel today, Matthew chapter 2, there are three basic things I'd like to uh, share with you, okay? From verse 1 to verse 6, I'd like to share with you, the wise still seek him. The wise still seek him. Second principle, basically is in verse 7 to 11, is this. The wise still acknowledge him. The wise still acknowledge him. And then the third principle I'd like to talk about, verse 12, I'll go back to the other ones. The wise still live for him. The wise still live for him. Okay? So let's go to the first thought. First uh, principle. The wise still seek him. Verse 1 to 6, it says, well, let me just read the first two verses. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Well, the word wise here, according to the uh, margin of my Bible, is from the Greek, uh, I don't know how you pronounce it, Magoi or Magoi. <laughs> and sometimes in some uh, translations it is uh, translated as uh, the Magi. And some, some commentators says these might also be magicians. Okay? Now, we need to understand that sometimes people who are seeking the Lord might start out on the wrong path, but end up on the right path because God always guides those who are seeking for Him. Okay? I remember before I surrendered my life to the Lord, we all grew up, well, for those of you in Kabachko, from the same denomination. And I was kind of uh, weary and tired because we had the rituals, we had the hungadis, but there was a helplessness when it comes to the situations and the trials of life. It's like someone becomes sick, I, no matter how many rosaries you pray, no matter how many liturgies you pray, they die. Or if someone is in trouble financially, you know, there's the fasting and there's the, the thing that they do on Holy Week where they scourge themselves and nothing, okay? And I was looking, hey, this cannot be the God that uh, we're serving. It can't be that he's a God that they say who loves us but doesn't seem to care for us. I didn't know the Holy Scriptures there. I didn't know the life that we have now then. So I started looking for power in other areas. 
I was seeking God. Okay? I started looking for power in other areas. I started looking uh, through the New Age movement. Before the New Age became the New Age, I was there. Okay? Uh, I started looking for the invisible, the realm of the invisible through spiritualism. I dabbled in witchcraft. Okay? How many of you know the first, you know, the books that Moses wrote? Genesis to Deuteronomy, right? These five books are ascribed to Moses, right? Right. Okay. At that time, I had a book. The title of the book is this. The 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth book of Moses. It's not the book of Moses, but I thought it was. Okay? I had that. It was this thing. It was made out of leather. It contained spells and charms. It contained uh, magic formulas by which you can conjure demons and make them uh, obey your bidding. And I'm thinking, wow, maybe this is the knowledge of God. Okay? And for a while, I dabbled in those particular things. I got into some really scary situations. But somehow, along the way, the Spirit of God was protecting me. Until I met some people who told me about the gospel. And I remember sometime in December of 1982, I gave my life to the Lord. I surrendered to Him. And I still remember sleeping on December 30th. Waking up very early, December 31, and I really did not wake up early, but I was awakened from my sleep, and I heard the words, waking up, burn your books. Burn your books. And I, I understood what the, the voice was referring to. He, it was referring to uh, the books I had accumulated, Spiritism, uh, being a medium, psychic reading, clairvoyance, clairaudience, ESP, uh, witchcraft, and then the six, seven, eight books of Moses. I tried to reason with God, said, I, you know, these are kind of expensive, and <laughs> I had to sacrifice many lunches so that I could buy them. And I said, I'll just sell them, and I'll give you a donation. No, God says, burn your books. So I called my younger sister. And, uh, well, my second to the younger sister. And I said, could you help me bring my books down? So I got this one trash can. I got everything that needs, that I needed in order to burn something. Got pieces of paper, got gas, I've got matches. So I put them all in the trash. I set the pieces of paper on fire, put them there. They were not lighting, so I poured some gas. They were not lighting. I tried to burn them. I emptied the bottle of gas and threw matches inside, lit matches. They were not burning. You know, they would catch and fight in the fire, would just snuff out. I was thinking, Lord, you told me to burn the books, but they're not burning. What am I supposed to do? Is this some kind of a test? 
I'm trying to burn them. Are you preventing them from getting burned? Some kind of a test. Then I heard it. It's like, use the name. Use the name. I was just like, what? Uh, less than a week old in surrendering to the Lord. I said, use the name. What name? What name are you talking about? I said, Lord, what name am I supposed to use? Because this book just simply would not burn. And then in, in my memory, the Spirit brought into my memory some of the leaders while they prayed. And the Spirit of God began to focus my memory. And every time they prayed, they would say, I ask this in the name of Jesus. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Oh, okay, is that what you mean? So I was looking at the trash can. I said, uh, in Jesus' name? It's not even an exclamation point yet. It was a question. I was not sure. I was not sure. And when I said that in Jesus' name, food the fire burst open there. It started burning. So apparently there was something there. I didn't even know what was behind the name of Jesus. I didn't even read and didn't even come to Philippians where it says, he, he, his name is the name that is about every name. I didn't even know John 14 where he says, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it for you. I didn't even know that. I was just... A young Christian trying to obey God, looking for God in all the wrong places. And God had mercy on me and brought me to his kingdom. Okay? I was practicing to be a magician. But the Lord brought me into his kingdom. You understand what I'm saying? See, these guys, they might have been people from the east. And according to some of the commentators, they were like priests of the religion of their particular area, which was not Christian. But they were wise because they knew, they understood that even though they were practicing with uh, elements and powers that was not of the ordinary, that something was missing, that there was a real thing. And they were looking for that. Okay? And they started looking for the real thing. It's not folk. <laughs> and the funny thing here is this now Bishop Ariel wrote earlier in the Facebook I read his insight isn't it amazing I don't know the exact words he said that the people who were not considered of the Lord were the ones seeking the Lord while the people who were considered of the Lord were not the ones seeking him amen there is always, in every generation, people who would seek God. And in the eyes of heaven, they are considered wise. See the question here, he says, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? How did they know he was the king of the Jews? They came from the east. Okay. It took many days and nights to get to where they were. Some people cannot even go to church. It's just one tricycle ride away. Okay? How did they know he was the king of the Jews? Alright? We have seen his star in the east. How did they know to read the signs? Now I know the Genesis says... He created the sun, the moon, and they will, they will be as signs. It's like God's billboard. But if you don't know what's going on, 
To you, to, the, to you, they're just stars. They're just random events. Okay? And we don't want to go to the other extreme, you know. One extreme, everything is a sign. The other extreme says, there's no sign. It's all coincidence. Okay? We want to walk in the middle ground. And I remember when we were having the clergy conference, uh, clergy conference, uh, the clergy cocktails recently, last Wednesday. Uh, well, uh, while our group was uh, preparing the concert, there's a guy who uh, sang a song. The first song, oh, it's a book. Huh? It's a new day. All right, it's a new day. Uh, Michael Bobay, one of our favorite singers. Anyway, uh, and and. Sister Kathy and Peter said, wow, what a song. To be sung on this particular day. They were seeing something I was not. For me, I wasn't really paying attention. I was more concerned that things were happening properly, that the people that needed to be fetched were there. I was looking for Bishop Raimundo's brother. Okay. I was thinking, I hope our priest did not forget him again. <laughs> and, and he said, how, how? Prophetic, how strategic that they would sing a song right after you were made, right before you're going to be made into uh, a primate. And then the reception after the installation, it should have ended when they said, when, when, when the MCs uh, concluded. But then the music started going out. And then the dancing started. And then these music. You know, happy days, right? For us here in Calibo, that's just music we hear in the streets. It's a common thing that they play on the streets. And for me, that's just music. Okay, it's happy music. Everyone dances. That's all I knew about that. Thank God there's joy. That's all I saw. The next day, I went up the room the paper because I needed to uh, uh, confer with him about certain things. And he says, there's something that happened last night. You, you, you don't understand, right? I said, well, we had a happy reception. We got, yeah, but there's this one music that you played. Uh, I said, yeah, the happy days thing? Yes. But I said, that's a common thing that we play here. Every time there's an apiatihan, they play that music. So to me, that's just common music. Uh, what's so special about that music? It's not that the music was special, it's uh, the timing of it. He says, do you know that just before the depression ended in the U.S., and you know, things were going, that people were committing suicides, that there was this one president who came in, and he had a plan of bringing back economy to the country, and people were having hope. They started playing that music. Happy days are here again. And he says, don't you understand how this refers to you? Roosevelt was a new president. You're the new prime. This is prophetic. I didn't know it was prophetic. I didn't see it. But the patriarch saw it. Okay? I wasn't paying attention. To me, it's ordinary music. But he saw the timing of it. Same thing here. 
The Jews, who should have known better, should have recognized the sign that they did. They were not paying attention. Right? The people of the East, they were the ones paying attention. They, and they came seeking him out. That's the reason why they were wise. And they, and they came not to seek him so that they can get more gold. They came, not, they came seeking him not so they be, can become more powerful. They came seeking him not so that they can become more influential. He said, they said, we have come to worship him. We have come to worship him. We're seeking, we've traveled all this way. We've braved the distance. We risk uh, robbers and robes along the way just simply for one thing. We had to leave our kingdoms behind simply to come here in order to worship Him. For some people, it's a waste of time. For some people, why even bother? But for them, it's not a waste of time. It's not a waste of resources. It's worth it to come to the king. And they sought him. And they were considered wise. So when Herod, the king, heard about this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. They had the scriptures the wise men didn't. The wise men had the heart. The Jews had the knowledge, but they did not act on that knowledge. Okay? See, it's one thing to have the word of God. We can quote it, we can argue about it, but we need to allow the Word of God to be lived out in our lives. When we're seeking the Lord, our lives must act out the Word that we have received. We seek Him out in His Word. His Word is light. And according to the book of Psalm, it says, in His light, we see light. Okay? It's not through experience. Experience is good. It's a good teacher. Somebody once says, I can't learn about God through what my mind says. Although Thomas Aquinas came very close to that. I can't learn about God about concerning what my experience says, but I only can learn about him based on what he says about himself. How do we know that God will never leave us nor forsake us? He said so. How do we know that God loves us completely, totally, absolutely? He said so. How do we know that God will supply our every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus? He said so. Okay? Sometimes our experience don't line up with who God is. I remember when I was uh, in the early days, I was going through Mindanao. Uh, uh, yeah, Father Nelson was there, Wino was there, and she wasn't married yet. And we were going to this other house, we were going through some rough areas. Somebody joined us, someone we didn't know. He says, I see you have Bibles. I see that you are people who want to worship God. And then he proceeded to tell us about 
his theory, his theology about God. He says God just wants us to suffer so bad. Okay? So that we will not be tired. He's talking about God making life hard for us. I said, where did you learn that? Well, that's just my experience. I see people going through that. I see but that's just my experience. I said, well, okay, that's what you see. But even though you've seen a lot, because he was more, he was elder than we were, older than we were. I said, even though you've seen more than we've seen, you haven't seen everything. You're not seeing the truth. I told him, that's not our God. Our God is a God who goes about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Amen? I know that because that's what he says. So when we seek him out, we need to be able to see him from what he said, from, from what he said about himself. Now let's go to our second time, running out of time here. The wise still acknowledge him. Starting in verse 7, it says here that Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what, what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them until it came and stood over where the young child was. Some people say, This is not the behavior of a star. I've seen discussions on the internet. I've even heard one of the bishops say, there was really no star. <laughs> I said, that, uh, okay, that can't be right. It's just symbolic of the inner mind. Uh, okay. Somebody says, well, this was really an angel who looked like a star. And some of the, those who have what they call the cosmic gospel says, that is really a UFO. <laughs> I believe it's a star. Okay? It actually existed. Now there's a guy, and I've seen him, who analyzed the skies during that night. He actually identified where the star is. He has a scientific explanation of what happened. The thing is, when you have a scientific explanation of what happened, it takes away the awe, it takes away the mystery, right? Not him. Because he showed for the star to be at this exact moment, in this exact time. There was no one who can do that except God. Oh yeah, God could make the star move out of orbit if he wanted to. But no, he used the movement of the stars to be in that exact place at that particular time, to disappear and to appear again at that particular time when they needed it, just so that it could lead them to Jesus. Now, it doesn't take away the mystery when you begin to, maybe one day I'll show it to you. But it shows that there is a God behind the scheme of things. Things just don't happen. There is someone who designed everything for us, and we can trust him with our lives. Scripture says that even before we were born, he fashioned the days for us, even before we saw one day, even before we were born, all the days were fashioned for us. 
And the more that we follow him, the more we get to walk in the plan that he has for us. And he said, according to scriptures here, are you learning something from this? Hello? Okay. Okay. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they came, they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary. Young child, not a baby. A young child with Mary, his mother. And fell down. And worshipped him. How many would behave this way in the presence of a child? Normally, if you're an adult, right, you would not consider the child as someone who is superior than you, right? Normally, it's the child who should do what you're saying, who should submit to you. But these guys, and some say they were kings, maybe they were kings, maybe they were not kings. They were magicians, they had no power. But it took humility on their part. It says here that they got down, they fell down, they, it was an act of homage. They were acknowledging something higher, someone higher, someone superior. They, and they probably did not understand what they were, what they were seeing. They could see a glimpse, they could feel something. I don't think they understand the way we understand because of the Holy Scriptures today. But as an act of faith, they bowed before him, paid homage to him, and they gave him their, their gifts. How many of you have ever given gifts to a child? What do you give a child, especially someone like, let's say, two years old? Do you give him a car? Hmm? Oh yeah, I would with this one. Right? Do you give him a refrigerator? You don't, right? You give him toys. Right? They're bringing their gifts. They open their treasures and they present it to him gold. Gold represents that this child that they're giving to they acknowledge, well, maybe not intentionally, they acknowledge him to be king because gold is a gift fit for a king. And then they gave him frankincense. Oh, just cut it short, let's just make it incense. Some people think it's Frankenstein. Okay? It's a gift given to a priest. It's also something that is offered to a deity, someone divine. Well, Jesus Christ is also the Son of God. He's also our high priest. Okay? And then one of those gifts is myrrh. It's mixed with uh, anointing oil and specially given to someone who would die or someone who has died. And so based on these three gifts, they're saying, this one is divine, who is a king. But he's not a king who demands his people would die for him. He's a king who would die for his people. Okay? 
And he's a he's a king who's also divine. Does not demand their blood sacrifice. He's a God who would shed his own blood, be our sacrifice, so that we today can become sons of God. And they acknowledge him with that. They were wise. You understand what I'm saying? And then thirdly, verse 12, it says here, last verse, then being divinely born in a dream, they should not return to Herod. They departed for their own country another way. The word way is from the Greek word podos. Some of you know the word podo, podo from. <laughs> I'm not going to say the name series, but it's there. But the word hodos means, from the Greek, means an alternative route. But it's also used in, another, in other places in the Holy Scriptures, it means human behavior. Human behavior. And basically what it's saying is this. Wise men live for him, or wise men, after having encountered him leave their own ways and live out according to his way wise men after having encountered him do not live like they used to live they become transformed they become new creations in action not just new creations in theory they change their lifestyle or change their their, uh, uh, their purpose in life, they change their ambitions, they begin to become Christ-centered, they begin to, to do the way of love. You understand what I'm saying? That's why people, are, they were considered wise by heaven. See, some people already know about some things. Jesus Christ said these things. Uh, during the time of the end, there are people who are going to say to me, Lord, were we not there when you were preaching? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do these things in your name? What did Jesus Christ answer some people? He said, I never knew you. Depart from me. I never knew you. There was no relationship. Okay? So some people can be exposed to these things. Can hear the word of God. Can go to church. Okay, but not live out the life that they've been taught. See, the problem with many Christians today is not that they do not know what to do. The problem is they do not do what they already know they ought to do. It is not a problem of ignorance, it is a problem of disobedience. See, he's light. We've seen the light. We've encountered the light. What does God expect of us? That we become light in the Lord. He says, arise, shine. Okay, that's what he says, rise up in the light. He says, in, there will come a day when darkness, not just simple darkness, but deep darkness will cover the people. But over you, my light will shine. I'm going to use you to push back the darkness. Okay? I didn't give you the light so you can talk about how people are disobedient, they're not doing this, and uh, they enjoy the darkness more than the light. He says, 
Don't just talk about them. Talk to them about the light. Use the light and push back the darkness from their lives. Amen? So we need to understand this church. The season of Epiphany, the Lord is still looking for wise men. Wise men who still seek him. Wise men who will acknowledge him. And wise men who will live for him. Question now is, are you one of the wise men? Amen. Let's all stand up and read. We are angels, defend us in battle.